Hello and welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast. As you listen to this message, I pray that you're built up, encouraged through God's Word, and I pray that His Holy Spirit leads you and guides you in the way that you should go. I pray that He gives you answers for your questions, healing and help for your life. Most importantly, I pray that this Word helps you to become more like Jesus and a greater influence for Him in our church and in your world. Now, let's grow together. Enjoy the message. Well, happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Maybe, um, maybe today you're, you're not a father yourself, and maybe you don't uh, have, or maybe you didn't have the greatest relationship with your father growing up, or, or maybe even now. Maybe, maybe, you know, like some people, they never knew their father in this room. There are people who never knew their father and knew who he was. There are also moms right now filling in the gap for an absent father. Uh, can we give them a hand, too? But whatever the case is, for all of us today as Christians, Jesus has called each of us to be salt and to be light in this world, uh, which is his desire for us to be influential and impactful through him. Not of ourselves, but through him. And that means being impactful and influential according to the grace that he's given each one of us. The Bible says that he's given grace to each one of us. There are some things that you can do that I can't do. There are some things that I can do that you can't do, but each one of us has been given a grace, a metron, a level of grace to be able to carry out and do what God has called us to do. And one of the best ways we can do that is to know the heart of God the Father. See, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So when we look at Jesus, we see the heart of the Father. And there's a role that fathers are called to play uh, in the life and in, in the home and in the world, we, we play a huge, huge role. Check the stats. It's important, the role of fathers and what they play in this world. And this morning, I want to focus on biblical examples that really apply not just to fathers, but to all of us, but especially to fathers today to encourage them. Because as, as Christians, again, we're called to carry the heart of God. Whatever season we walk into, we're called to carry the heart of God. As fathers, when we walk into our home, we're to carry the heart of God. When we set our sights on achieving goals, we're to carry the heart of God. And one of the greatest examples that we have of someone who who sought after and carried the heart of God was the Apostle Paul. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, he's talking to Timothy and he says this. I'm sorry, he's talking to the Corinthians and he says this, For though you have countless guides in Christ... You do not have many fathers, for I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So he's talking to the Corinthian church, and he's talking to people, and he's laying it out for them. He's saying, look, let me give you the difference here. There's a lot of people who can teach you things, but there's a difference between people who teach you something and people who will father you in the faith. He's highlighting the difference, and he's, he's making it so obvious for us. That we can look to so many people, so many things in life to guide us. We can look to YouTube to guide us, but that's different than a father. Uh, We can look to um, a career to guide us or someone who's a mentor or a coach to guide us, but that doesn't necessarily mean they play that significant, deeper role of what a father can play. Um, Let me give you another version of this verse that we find in the message version. 
This is a translation of that. It says this, I love you and I want you to grow up well, not spoiled. Come on, we all want that for our kids, amen? (laughs) I love you and I want you to grow up well, not spoiled. There are a lot of people around who can't wait to tell you what you've done wrong. Isn't that the truth in today's world? But there aren't many fathers willing to take the time and the effort to help you grow. The time and the effort. See, Paul was highlighting the difference between countless people who can guide you and his influence in the, in, as a spiritual father in the life of people. So life in the same way. There are countless guides in life. There are guides who can help us grow financially. That's not the same as the father speaking to us about our finances. There are people who can guide us in our career. There's somebody who can guide you in your golf swing. How many golfers do we have here, right? Like Chris, he plays golf all week. That seems like he says he works, but all I do is see golfing all week on his Instagram. He's always, quote, with a client. So there are a lot of men who can share their hobbies with you. That doesn't mean they play the same role as a father, okay? What I'm trying to say today is that anyone can spot potential in you. But fathers will stay around to help develop the purpose in you. That's different. Anybody can recognize talent on the court, but it's different. Fathers bring something different to the table. And fathers aren't just present in your life. Fathers have a purpose. Fathers have a purpose. Let me, let me, let me say this and, and drop this on you too. Even fathers who weren't the best fathers to you still play a purpose in your life. They still play a role in shaping who God has called you to be and how you're called to live. Maybe you can't mirror some of the things that you saw growing up. Maybe you can't mirror some of the things you didn't get growing up. But what you can do is look to God to be the model. What you can do is look to Jesus to see his heart towards the Father to shape how your heart should be towards people. See, fathers aren't just present in your life. Fathers have a purpose. Fathers are interested and fathers are invested. There's a difference between being interested and being invested. Fathers are invested, not just interested, right? You see this in sports, certain coaches, right? How come some people will leave a team and they're fine? Others, when the coach retires, players are crying in front of the cameras. Many times because that coach played more than just the role of a coach, he played the role of a father. You see this in business. You see it, you see it with students and teachers. Sometimes teachers just teach. It's a job. And then there are those who teach but also care with a fathering spirit. They care deeper, right? Sometimes there's just pastors who just, they just teach the Bible. But then there are those who father and pastor people and raise up sons and daughters, spiritual sons and daughters. There's a difference. And we should be able to see the difference and know the difference based on people's investment. Now, what is our model as Christians? What, whether we're fathers, whether we're mothers, teachers, coaches, leaders, mentors in business, what is it that we're looking to? It's this. It's God's heart towards people. That's what makes the difference. God's heart towards people. Number one, fathers speak identity, affirmation, and encouragement. Fathers speak identity. We speak affirmation, and we speak encouragement. Now, where do we get that from? We look at God. Look what he did with Jesus. Jesus is being baptized. And as he's about to be baptized, 
we see God speak with a voice from heaven. And he says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I want you to just notice this. We're all trying to celebrate people who take on responsibilities, accountability, goals, reaching for things in life, people who step up and step into their purpose, step into their calling. Jesus is being baptized and literally stepping into, by the power of the Holy Spirit, what he has put on this earth to do. And what is the first thing that we see exercised into his life? The identity, the affirmation, and the encouragement of his father. Man, what a powerful example. He says, this is my, that's identification. This is not someone who's just on their own. This is my, my son. This is my daughter. So he personalizes it. He says, this is my beloved son. That's affirmation. That's not a random person. It's not, hey, this guy's got some skills. He's going to change the world. He doesn't just believe in the gifts and believe in the person. He believes in the creation of who he is and what he is. So he speaks affirmation to that. And then he says, in whom I'm well pleased. That's validation. He's saying, I believe in you and I believe in your purpose. See, that's the lens that we can see through when we look at people. The same lens that the Father saw through. Come on, it's easy to be vocal about what we're displeased with in life, right? I mean, every day we, we, we open our apps, we turn on the news. It's constant 24-7 disappointment and people displeased with someone else. All day, nonstop, okay? But fathers, we have to be intentional about what we are pleased with about what we do see, about what is good. And so this is what God was showing us from the very beginning. You know, again, in our society, we constantly hear people highlight everything that's negative. There's always something wrong. Come on, sometimes you get to work and somebody's complaining the moment you walk in the door. How's the coffee? The coffee's terrible. Oh, okay, great. And it's too hot in here. Someone turn the air on. When are they going to get us new seats? These chairs are horrible. Like, whoa, okay. Three, three bombs, three negative bombs already drop when you walk in the door. But sometimes people don't realize they do that. Fathers, we have to be careful that we're not just recognizing everything that's wrong in life, but we're recognizing things that are right with the people around us, with the goodness of God around us, with the children in our lives. Come on, we have to help bring identity to our children in this world. Because the world is aiming to identify for them who they think they should be. Right? Example, you're nothing in this world unless you have something. You're nothing in this world unless you know someone. You're nothing in this world unless you have possessions. You're nothing in this world unless you have great influence and great impact. Right? 25 years ago to 50 years ago, people growing up wanted to be rock stars. Now what do they want to be? YouTube stars. <laughs> what is the whole essence of a YouTube star? Influence. And if you don't have influence, then what becomes of your self-worth at a young age? If no one knows you. See, what psychologically is being put into our kids, even from an early age, that they're nothing, that they're not important, that they must be reaching for someone else's esteem and value. See, this is getting into the psyche. It's getting into the heart. And then it begins to affect behaviors. But a father's identity can change that. 
A father's affirmation can change that. A father's encouragement can change that. Right? See, you're nothing unless you have something. That's interesting because Jesus was born and had nothing, yet he is exalted in the heavens. Jesus had nowhere to lay his head, yet he is majestic. He's powerful. And he didn't use power and influence to change the world. He used servanthood. He used humility. Come on, we have to be great encouragers. We have to be great encouragers. Like Joe. I could, I could point some great things out about Joe. Joe has made some steps in the last year to see his life turned around, to see his marriage come around, to become a better father. He's been growing. He's been going to classes. Came out of the military. Is growing as a man of God in this season. Come on. Come on. It's good to recognize these things. It's good to recognize these things in, in people. To be able to identify the things. Do we have eyes to see the good things that are happening in people? Andrew, one of the greatest dads I know. One of the greatest dads I know. Raising four daughters. God help this man. (laughs) And he does such a great job. You know what I love about Andrew is if you see him in the lobby, I've seen this for years. His girls will run to him and embrace him and hug him. Like, this isn't before bedtime. This is in the, the middle of the lobby. Like, daddy, just come. And then they'll just hold on to him. What have you done right that you can teach us, brother? Teach us. See, we have to give affirmation and encouragement, whether or not we get it ourselves. You didn't get a lot of that growing up. In fact, you didn't get any of that growing up. Yet he's been intentional. There's a lot you didn't get growing up. But you're intentional. See, affirmation can make a difference. Encouragement can make a difference. See, God's the only one who can truly affirm and encourage us according to who he's called us to be. Every other label falls short, right? My dad always used to say, Danny, they call me Danny. You can't call me that, but they call me that. He said, Danny, you're a mighty man of God. You have the purpose of God on you. And then he put his hand on my head, and I'd get so irritated. Get off me. See, we do that from the time I was a kid till, till I left the house. At 17, cussing him out, not talking to him for a whole year, and then not talking to him but maybe one time the next year, and then maybe having brokenness over the next few years. Now we have a great relationship, and I'm living as a mighty man of God on purpose. I don't know if it was his annoying hand on my head all the time that I found annoying. I don't know if it was the prayers of my mother. I don't know if it was the prayers of people in my church around me when I was a mess. I I don't know. All I know is that I remember my father's identification, affirmation, and validation. I remember the encouragement I got. I remember this one story when I messed it all up and I was living in Austin and I I was 21 and I'd just gotten saved and I was trying to re- make contact with my family again and touch base with them. And I remember saying to my dad, I called him and said, hey, I'm, I'm saved, like for real. God's changed my life, and I'm, I'm moving back to San Antonio. I'm just letting you know. I'll never forget these words. He said, come home, son. I said, uh, I think you should talk to mom about that. That's uh, <laughs> the first thing I said. That's the first thing I said. 
And you know what his words were? Don't worry about that, son. Just, I'll work that out. Just come home. Meant the world to me. That changed everything. It changed everything when I had blown everything for someone to still embrace me. 21, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. Been on my own for years. And instead of saying, well, did you learn something out there? Did you learn? Like I told you not to do these things. Have you had enough of the pig slop? Have you felt the weight and the pain of life, son? Have you finally humbled yourself? Now, did he have a right to say all of those things? Absolutely. Would all of it have been true? Absolutely. Especially the pig slop part. (laughs) But he didn't do that. See, fathers in the time of need have to recognize the timing. You know, he never threw anything in my face to this day. Even when I wrecked his truck when I was drunk and blamed it on somebody hitting me at the movie theater. (laughs) I don't have that kind of patience like my father. (laughs) But I'm working at it because I had a great example. Amen? Number two, fathers live by Christ's example. Fathers live by Christ's example. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, he said, I urge you, be imitators of me. Paul's saying, be imitators of me. As I imitate Christ, as I look to Christ, you can look to my life. Right? But how can someone look to my life if I'm not looking to Christ? Right? My dad wasn't perfect. I'm not perfect, never claimed to be. He wasn't perfect either. But I've learned more from his life by watching his example. Learned a ton from what he said. But I learned so much more by watching how he handled stress, how he handled money, how he handled people, how he navigated and worked around certain things that were pressure in the family and pressure with work. He wasn't saying anything sometimes. I was just watching him and learning from his example, how he responded. One of the the examples I think is so powerful is I used to come home and, and get ready for school in the morning. I'm getting ready, you know, getting piece of toast or whatever before school, and I would see my father's Bible open on the table. Now, he'd been gone to work for two hours already, but an open Bible on the table. I just, like, I didn't even think about it until years later, how impactful that was that he'd been up having coffee, reading the Word of God before he even took off at work. Before he got started with the day, his example of setting the Lord before him at the beginning of the day still resonates in my mind as, where's your foundation for the day? Where does it begin? It makes that app you open every morning kind of like pointless, doesn't it? (laughs) When you think about it, there's something God wants to use to feed us in the mornings. I watched how my dad handled pain. I watched how he handled disappointment. I watched how he handled betrayal. I watched how he handled people talking about him. We coached a baseball team together. And I remember when some kid, uh, let me just say this, some overbearing dad uh, came and was coming at my dad and he'd had words with my dad and he folded his son's uniform with his son by his side. I guess this, this dad was trying to prove something to his son. 
<clears throat> so he walks up to my dad and he just throws the uniform on the floor in front of my dad and just walks off. Like just really disrespectful. And I remember my dad at that moment just looking at it and just picking it up and putting it on the bench and just going straight back to coaching. Whereas me, I would have picked that thing up and thrown it right back at the back of his head and the cops would have been called, right? So I've learned in times of even conflict, what's the right response here? You know, would I have been all charged up if my dad started talking to this guy and talking trash to him and a bunch of bravado and ego and maybe came to blows and a bunch of nonsense, a waste of time? What, maybe, maybe I would have learned something there that was the wrong way to do something. I saw his example. Fathers, we live by Christ's example. We live by Christ's example. Let's do our best. Number three, fathers live for God's glory. Fathers live for God's glory. Paul said this, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Whatever you're doing, if you're a hairstylist, do it for the glory of God. If you're a barber, do it for the glory of God. If you're a nurse, do it for the glory of God. If you're a teacher, do it for the glory of God. If you're a single dad, do it for the glory of God. If you're a single mom, do it for the glory of God. If you're a married couple, do it for the glory of God. If you're an entrepreneur, do it for the glory of God. If you're a student, do it for the glory of God. Don't let someone else squeeze you into categories that you're not supposed to fit into. Let God shape what he wants to do in you. Come on, remember, <clears throat> we, need to <clears throat> we need to live for God's glory because we're, we're always living for an audience of one. There's always an audience of one watching us in the good times and the bad. Number four, fathers live consistent and fathers live dependable. Fathers live consistent, and fathers live dependable. Come on. Jesus was consistent, and Jesus was dependable. He was consistent. He was consistent to offend. <laughs> he was consistent to bless. He was consistent to speak truth. He was consistent to not meet people's expectations. He was consistent to do the will of the Father. He was consistent to pray. He lived as the, as the example, and he was dependable. You know, as a dad, I want, I want to be the one that my kids call when they're in trouble. I really do. I don't want them to get in trouble. And I'll have words to say later. However, I want to be the one that they call. I want to position myself in a way where my kids call me when the chips are down, when times are tough. I don't want to miss out on an opportunity to be there to pick someone up the way my father picked me up. I said, come home, son. But I have to create an atmosphere of consistency and dependability to where that fear isn't in my kids as to how dad's going to react. Can we all say we need some prayer working on that? First Corinthians chapter 15. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong, be immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever 
useless. Come on, sometimes I think there are things that we're just living out day by day by day. They're not spectacular. They're not extraordinary. They're just consistent and dependable. And it's creating stability. It's creating stability in our home. It's creating stability in our life. It's creating stability for other people to lean on. Fathers live consistent and dependable. What's our example? Jesus. Hebrews 13, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's our model. He's always dependable. He's always faithful. He's always there. Come on, let's live with him as the example. Come on, you will hit places in life where you say, do I have what it takes? Moms, dads, married, married folks, single folks, divorced folks, whatever. You will hit places in life where you say, do I have what it takes to get through this season? And the answer is yes, because in Christ you have everything you need to do what God has called you to do. You have everything you need to do what Christ has called you to do. Galatians says, don't grow weary in doing good. Dads, I want to encourage you. Even if you're weary, keep doing the good God's called you to do. Keep living as God has called you to live. Amen? Amen. Hey, I want to pray over fathers today. <clears throat> Obviously, while Father's Day is not a, a Bible day, uh, it, it's a national day that we recognize uh, in our country. And I think fathers deserve more recognition and more honor in this country more than anything. First of all, in Exodus, God says we should honor fathers and mothers. It's echoed in the New Testament when Jesus said that it's the first commandment with a promise, that long life comes to those who honor their father and their mother. I don't know about you, but I want some long life. I want some long, healthy life to see the blessing of God. And so I want to honor dads right now. I want, I want to ask you to stand up. I want to pray over you. And I just want to ask our congregation just to maybe extend your hand towards them. And let's just pray the blessing of God over them. thing I want to say to dads is this. You're made for this. God put it in you. You're made for it and God put it in you. You have the goods. You have the goods. God put it in you. And I want to thank you for your consistency. I want to thank you for your dependability. I want to thank you that you keep getting up. I want to thank you that you haven't quit. And I want you to know that you're loved even through your mistakes. I want you to know that God loves you through your ups and downs, through your failures. And I want you to know that God wants to bless you with peace. To rest in him, to rest with him. that you learn to lead even more in this next season from his strength and his grace and his love. Dad, it's not everything that's wrong with you, it's everything that's right with Jesus. That's what we're looking to. If I look at myself in the mirror, there's plenty to criticize. If I look at Jesus, I have something to reach for. I have someone to embrace because someone embraces me. My imperfections are made right when I look at him. His righteousness is my righteousness. 
And in that, I can reach for his mercy. I can reach for his grace. I can reach for his strength. I can take it. I can walk with it. I can make it my own. So, Lord, thank you for every dad in this place. Lord God, would you renew their strength right now? Thank you that in a world shifting values here, there, and everywhere, every single day, Lord, thank you that you look to fathers to affirm, encourage, uplift, and uphold them. Lord, may your righteous right hand be on them even more in this season. We bless them today. We thank you for the gift that they are. We thank you for the talents, the strength, the wisdom, the knowledge that you've given them, the uniqueness of each one in this room today that represents you in their unique way. Father, thank you for the journey that they've been on that's brought them to this place, God. Thank you that even though the road may have been rough, thank you, God, that they are still standing. We thank you that they're still standing. We need them. We need them, God. Renew their strength, Lord Jesus, this morning. Dads, we need you. We need you. Don't give up. Remember where your help comes from. It comes from the Lord. Remember whose affirmation you're reaching for, God's. Remember, it's not the sight of the world that determines our value. It's the sight of God. And in Christ, he's seen we are valuable. We bless your name today, Lord, and we bless these fathers in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone says, amen, amen, amen. Men, you can be seated. Come on, let's give them a hand. Uh, so over the last month and a half, we've been, we've been taking ground uh, week by week to purchase a building of our own. Over the last, yes. Uh, over the last 12 years of Grace Avenue Church, all of our services, our events, our conferences, uh, holiday services, meeting spaces, <laughs> meeting, gatherings, all of these things have been done in leased spaces or rented spaces, sometimes doing six Easter services over the weekend, uh, sometimes doing five Christmas services over the weekend just due to space issues. Uh, there was a, a period of time where we were doing you know, three services for almost four years, three cons services consistently every single Sunday just due to the space issue. And recently a door of opportunity opened to us to purchase a 36,000 square foot building, which to give you an idea of what that is, yeah, we can share, we can share that on. <laughs> to, to give you an idea of what that is, it's, it's about three times the size of what we currently exist in right now, uh, which is a lot of room. And it's already fitted out to function as a church, and it's able to facilitate not only church services, but a significant amount of outreach uh, in the city and in the surrounding area of our church, uh, of our city. And the big question you guys have been asking and wondering is, where is it? Where is it? How many of you want to know where it is? Okay, well, come back next week and I will tell you. No, I'm it is located in downtown San Antonio, the area off of I-10 
in Culebra. It's off of I-10 in Culebra. It's in the heart of the city. Now, you're saying, why there, Daniel? Okay, well, let me just tell you, I don't know why there. I don't know why God had us start on a home in Bernie. I don't know why God had us move to a movie theater. I don't know, God, why, why God had us move to the last place and then now to this place. Uh, I just know that we have picked up people and made them part of the family every part of the journey. Um, and God has done something great. Now, why am I not giving you the address? Because if I give you the address right now, you'll start Googling it and mapping it, and you won't listen to what I'm about to tell you, okay? And what I'm about to say is that the most important thing I've ever probably said in the life of Grace Avenue Church and the most important thing I'll say for the potential future of Grace Avenue Church, uh, and it's this. We've already secured a loan with the bank. That took a lot. Secured a loan with the bank. We've signed a commitment letter with them as of last Monday. We've entered into a contract for the building, so we're already into this. And now we're in a short window of time to actually make this uh, church ours. Um, as of this moment, we currently possess half of the down payment that we need to make it ours. Can we just celebrate that for a minute? We currently possess. We're not starting from scratch. We're not trying to rub two nickels together and ask God for a miracle. We've, we've been saving through your generosity, through our vision builders community. We've been waiting for God to provide an opportunity. So we currently have half of the down payment that we need. However, we only have about 53 days out of the 60-day window uh, to raise the remaining amount of the down payment and make it ours. Now, if you've ever been part of a church family uh, and, and people are going to build a kid's wing or they're going to pave a parking lot or, or, or buy a piece of land or build a building, they usually do something like a building campaign or a building fund. And they take six months and they take uh, 18 months, maybe 24 months, and they have a strategic plan to raise that resource. Okay, we don't have that. Uh, we have 53 days <laughs> to see God do this and to see God do it through you. Uh, now, let me just say this. Nehemiah had 52 days to rebuild, on, rebuild the wall in Jerusalem. And if he could rebuild the whole wall in Jerusalem in 52 days, I believe in 53 days we could raise what we need. Okay? To do that, we are launching what we are calling our Faith Forward Offering to raise $350,000 in the next 50-plus days. And what that will do is I'm going to have our ushers kind of hand out cards right now. They're going to give these to you so that you can take these home and you can get an idea of what this next season is about. Okay? Um, $350,000 in the next 50 plus days. Now, what's that going to do? That's going to cover the rest of the down payment. That's going to cover the initial repairs. That's going to cover painting the exterior, fixing up some kid space, some audio, some signage, some basic things. This would be phase one. But this is what we need to get the party started. This is what we would need to cross over into our promise. Remember, we came to the edge. We stepped in by faith. And now we need to step across. And so I want to show you a pic of, of, of what it currently looks like right now. This is, I, think, I believe this is an aerial view of what it looks like. So you'd come off of I-10 and it would be right here. <clears throat> now I want to show you an angle from what would be positioned right here looking this direction what it would actually look like let's put that up this is what we're believing we want to do okay so this is the beginning we're in the river we're in the river God's held the waters we have a contract we have a commitment with the bank 
We have 53 days. God's given us one more day than he gave Nehemiah. He loves us more than Nehemiah. I want to show you how we want to bring this together. I want you to take this card. I want you to go home and pray. In fact, I'm asking, don't even give today. I want you to pray today. And I want you to pray tomorrow. And I want you to pray about what you can give above your tithe to help us accomplish this goal. Now, why is that significant above your tithe? Because we still have this current contract in this space until February. So if you shift your tithe and say, I'm going to give all of that over here, well, then that puts us in trouble here. Does <laughs> that make sense? And so if you go home and pray, I believe God's going to speak to your heart about what you should give. And that's personally what we as a pastoral team, as a staff, that's our heart for this. Now, why prayer? Because all throughout the Bible, prayer precedes action. Prayer is commanded. Prayer is the example that Jesus gave us. Prayer precedes miracles. Prayer precedes moving. Prayer precedes building. Prayer precedes everything. Prayer is the key to the supernatural opening in every single instance. God moves through prayer. And what we're asking is for, for you to get a faith goal in your heart, a faith number in your heart. To actually pray about that, hear from the Lord. Janelle and I did this early in our marriage with the church we were part of. And I remember the, the stretch that we made for the year to be able to do that. It was very near and dear to us. It was important to us. And we came together, we prayed, we got a number, and we did that. But I would rather you go home and pray than me, me simply say, hey, just figure out what you can squeeze out of your budget and just, just try and make something happen. Because that really doesn't require faith. That requires logistics, calculation. But I'm asking you to pray and step into faith. Why? Because this is a, not just a, uh, a, quote, business transaction. This is a faith move for our church. Remember, this came out of nowhere. This isn't something we were planning. 12 years of the dry valley, <laughs> and all of a sudden we're at the edge of the river. I would rather you go home and pray. Second thing, give. Asking everyone to give. After you've gone home and prayed, you've gotten a faith goal, write that down. I'm asking if this this church has been anything to you, if this ministry has been anything to you, this is the time. This is the time to step up. Because we need everyone. We need every, everyone to, to be able to lift the load. So because you've been blessed, so because it's touched your life, so because you believe in the future, so because you believe in what God can do. Here's our strategy, how we want to do this. We want to, um, I want you to pray about this. And, and in this card here, on this top line, just write the number that you have in your heart, whatever that is. You know, some churches, they ask people to give. If everybody could just do this amount, then we could. We're not, we're not asking that because I don't know where you are. And I don't want to get in, in the middle of your faith and what God is speaking to you. So, so we're not asking for, for people to give specific amounts according to a math calculation. We're asking people to get in their heart what God would have them to give. The Bible says each one should decide in their heart what they are to give. That's where I'd rather you give. Okay, does that make sense? You hear my heart on this? Write that down here. And then by July 12th. Why July 12th? Because we signed the contract this, this last week. So July 12th will be the first 30 days. 
And that's critical for us because we want to raise as much as we can in the first 30 days to know where we're at. Part of that is a generous uh, church has, you know, generously contacted me and said that they will match up to $20,000 what we get in the first thousand, uh, 30 days. Which means if we raise 19, we have 19. If we raise 20, we have 40. If we raise 100, we have 120. You follow me? Is math hard for you? It was hard for me. I was always terrible at math. It really was. <laughs> All right. The first 30 days. August 10th, that's the second date. If we raise the total we need, we can close the building towers. It's that simple. 53 days to see a miracle, to see generosity in action. So write it down. Tell us what you can bring to the table, cross over with this first month, and then secondly here. And then bring those back. Bring those back on Sunday. Turn them in. Turn them into our, our usher team. Turn them in at the next steps table. And let's see what God does. Let's believe he's going to do something great in and through this. Amen. Can I pray over it real quick? Can I have one of those cards? All right, if you could just, just take it in your hand and just bow your head. I want to I wanna pray this through. Father, we thank you for, first of all, for the opportunity not just to serve your kingdom, but to be a blessing in the lives of people. Lord, I pray that as we go home today, we've been fed, we've been encouraged, we've been blessed, we've been sowed into. pray that we take time to be grateful, that we take time to think about how that could happen for other people in the future. Lord, I pray that we would pray and that you would move on our heart to specifically give what you know, not just what we're capable of, but what faith would call us to do. Father, no manipulation here, no pressure, no demands. We're just asking that you would move on each of our hearts to make this happen for the good of our city, for the good of this church, for good of the people who will come and be saved, be served, and will grow. We thank you, God, that you're going to do it. We believe in faith that we're not only in the river, we're stepping across and trusting you are going to do something mighty. Another testimony in the life of Grace Avenue Church by your supernatural hand. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen, amen, amen. God bless you guys. Well, I pray that that word blessed you. If you'd like to know more about Grace Avenue Church or want to know more about how to be a part of what God has called us to here in the city of San Antonio, or if you'd like to sow financially into our vision and mission, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks so much for listening. We hope to see you soon.